With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Stanley on the North Bank podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Davis, I'm the head of sport in Swansea, and today I'm joined by Chief Football Writer Chris Wathen and Sports Writer Tom Coleman. Uh, afternoon, chaps. All right. Afternoon. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll jump straight in as there's uh, there's plenty to talk about. Um, probably only one one place to start um, was the Renato Sanchez links. Um, came yeah. came out came out of the blue. What's the, what's the latest? Yeah. Uh, while everyone else was enjoying the sun on bank holiday, uh, I was making calls and um, every time I was uh, sort of getting a steer uh, or a bit of info that suggested. Uh, this could actually happen the more I sort of couldn't really believe it you know it's one of those you've seen them over the years now and a few people have mentioned on Twitter about the classic links with David uh, David Villa uh, a few years back and um, the bookmakers uh, getting excited and various people saying that you've been spotted in Rossi's or Joe's or Verdi's or whatever um, but there seems to be or there is I should say uh, a genuine interest here more than an interest an actual attempt to go and get Sanchez and it is not being ruled out and when I say that it's not something that's being uh, not commented on you know officially or anything like that by sources it is not being ruled out because there is a chance that they could pull this off now what the percentages of those chances are another thing a lot of variables in this including buying themselves and the player and the cost, as mentioned in the report on World Online, it's not likely to be a cheap loan deal. So you've got to, even though there is money to spend, you've got to weigh it up uh, whether it's right for the club to, to spend what they would have to spend in terms of a loan fee and wages for a player who is ultimately there for a year. But as much as it's a bizarre one, there's a lot of sense to it. Bayern don't want to lose him. They think he's still a huge talent. You know, he's young European player of the year a year ago. Wales will remember him from uh, the semi-finals out in France. He hasn't managed to push on at Bayern. He hasn't managed to uh, make regular appearances uh, in that midfield. And what Bayern want is him to get the chance to go out and prove himself and develop and, and have that regular game time the player they think he can be now that means they're not fussed on selling him necessarily because they think still think he's got talent they not necessarily want to give him to a Champions League rival though he wouldn't have to play against them but you know they still don't want to help another side with their options etc and of course then there is the Clement factor someone Ancelotti knows well someone that the, the Italian will be able to trust in terms of what Swansea are offering and guarantees and the type of coaching he's got going to get so a lot of things to consider there are other clubs interested but what are those other clubs going to be offering are they going to be offering the same amount of game time are they going to be wanting to do a permanent deal as opposed to uh, a loan so I know Sky Sports and their infamous Sky Sources I say it's unlikely but they seem to be taking that from Sky Italia who are saying that Liverpool are in the way yet uh, a good 
good friend of ours, uh, a friend Miller Stable on the Liverpool Echo, James Pierce, saying that Sanchez isn't on the agenda. And to be perfectly honest, I'm more inclined to go with James's verdict, uh, knowing how well he knows Liverpool. So, one person will know better than most, and that's, uh, that's Paul Clement, and he's got a few days to try and pull out the bag. Uh, and it's safe to say it will be the signing of the summer if they can pull it off. So, that is where we are. <laughs> Comprehensive. Um, it's an illustration of Clement using his links, obviously. But um, where, if, you know, if we're, we're thinking a bit further ahead and perhaps being a bit maybe fanciful, but where would he? Where would he fit in? Is he? Is he? Whatever he wants. Well, is he? Is he? Is he, is he a Gilfie replacement? Is he? Is he that sort of player? No, he's actually more of a box to box. Is how we probably describe him in, in old-fashioned terms. Uh, I think the championship manager, I think, centre midfield with arrows going up and down. Um, lots of energy, has got a creative edge, although he isn't a number 10. Uh, he's, got, he's, he's known for his sort of strength and his driving runs. Wouldn't say he's defensively minded, um, per se, but he's not the, the number 10. However, let's just say that Swansea seems to be edging more towards playing a 4-4-2 diamond which takes away some of that need for a, a natural 10 if you want and Clement is one one thing he's been consistent on during uh, the transfer window and, and certainly not giving out names but he's made clear that he wants players who give him a variety of options and it's something he is managing to, to achieve in his you know, relatively short time at Swansea he's making them far more tactically flexible with understanding and Sanchez fits into that. Um, he is the type of player that you would find space for. You know, all jokes aside, is that if you get him, you find a way to get the best out of him. Yes. Um, but he, he would be someone who offers that offensive attacking edge. And, and it is worth, my, worth bearing in mind, Clemson has never said we need a new number 10 or we need to replace Gilfie. What he said is that we need to replace someone who can create and add that creative spark that Gilfie did so you know we would say Sanchez fits the bill on that now he would not he will not be the only target obviously because uh, it's you'd have to say yeah it probably is unlikely that they're going to get him but Swansea have got other irons in the fire Um, people will ask why are so many names being linked well it's not a new thing for Swansea what they tend to do is make approaches, open talks, even put bids in, even have bids accepted for different players in the same position before trying to make a final call on that. If you remember back in 2013, when Wilfred Boney signed, Swansea had bids accepted for two other strikers, one of which was Gomez, who they signed down the line, before they eventually pushed for Boney. So that's the way they like to operate. People can say whether that's right or wrong, but that's the way Swansea tend to do things so there will be other names still in the midst you know uh, not sure whether Joe Allen de- deal is completely dead whether that does seem to be getting a little bit expensive if you uh, know it might be just cooling on sadly because that's expensive um, although you never know what it's going to get like towards the end of the window um, where you know people stuck it a bit more desperate and that includes then Wilfred Boney, who uh, I think Andrew Gwilym reported a long while back that a deal is pretty much there to be done. We all know that Wilf wants to go back to Liberty, but you have to say the powers were Swansea on that one because he's clearly not part of Pep Guardiola's plans. So, you know, 
the longer it goes towards that deadline, the more keen City are, are going to be to negotiate. So, um, plenty of options. And um, I have to say, if they, if they can get it right, it, it could be quite exciting. Well, it's, it's certainly exciting that they're, they're linked with that sort of calibre of player, isn't it? Um, let's, let's move well, on. One other thing to point out, though, before you move on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously, Clements Link... Uh, is, is key to all this and, and will be key if they manage to get him over the line but it's interesting when I was doing a bit of recce on him yesterday that Swansea actually scouted him uh, in January 2016 before uh, he ended up going to Bayern later that summer before he sort of really took off in the Euros etc so he's obviously been someone that has been on the club's radar for a while probably thought that after you know, a lot of other clubs jumped in that they never had a million never in a million years would have a chance of getting him but it shows that he's not just a name plucked out of the air so uh, yes yeah, an interesting aside to it all absolutely absolutely well if, if, if Twitter can be believed he's been spotted outside Rossi's anyway so <laughs> there we are um, yeah let's move on to the, the, the Palace game if we can um, yeah hello Tom uh, right. <laughs> yeah 2-0 um, um, a decent result uh, well, yeah, obviously. I mean, to get that that first win and to get that monkey off your back is is always going to be very, very important, and um, certainly eases um, some of the some of the pressure of, of of Paul Clement. And I think with the Sigurdsson sale and everything like that, it, there has been a little bit of added added pressure on him recently. Um, in terms of how much we can read into it, I'm personally not sure. Uh, I think it's worth stressing that the Palace were very, very poor on the day. Mm. Didn't create a lot, but there were certainly a lot of positives for Swansea to take. Um, I mean, the first half an hour, first forty-five, they, they, they dominated possession. Really, um, didn't didn't really create too much in that first half. I mean, they, they, they you got the sense that they were missing that killer final ball. Uh, and in fact, I, I said to Chris at the time, you know, that, that someone like a Sigurdsson or something would really help to light up this game. Um, but then it was all obviously all lit up by the by a great finish by Tammy Abraham, and I think that was a huge positive because obviously there's been a huge there's been a few questions about whether he's ready for Premier League football. Um, but the standard of the goal, I don't think people are talking about it enough, to be quite honest. I mean, it's it was to, a cute finish, wasn't it? To to, to show that level of technique, you know, under pressure to hold off the defender and keep your balance, and you know, I, it, it was a fantastic finish. Um, well, I came back to watch match of the day, and I think the commentary. Uh, at the time, said something about untidy finish or a scuffed finish. I couldn't believe my ears because you know the level of technique needed to adjust his body, get it out under his feet, and to hold off Kelly mm. as well. You know, make Kelly look really daft. Yeah. yeah. And it's quite pleasing then to see Shira uh, point out what a fantastic finish was. And when Lineker talked over it, he sort of went back to it and mm. really stressed the point that that was a superb mm. finish. It looks easy from that, from you know, so close out, but. That was a really huge uh, positive for me and uh, a sign of what type of striker Tammy Abram is. Is uh, yeah. there's more to come? No, I totally agree, and I think it's it's goals like that that, that make a striker, you know, that could potentially make or break a striker in the Premier League, really, in terms of how successful they are. Um, so yeah, I, I, that that was definitely one of the big positives to take out of the game. Um, Sam Klukas made his debut. Um, from what I saw, he was he was very very neat and tidy. Um, I know that you focused on him, Tom, in a bit of a scout input or a scouting mm-hmm. report for for Wales Online. Um, can you give us a bit more, bit more on him? Um, well, it was. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't a debut that was completely going to set the world alight, but it was nevertheless a very, very assured performance in the centre of the park. 
Um, he looked very comfortable on the ball. Um, and someone in the commentary box actually said, you know, he looked like he'd, he'd been there for a while. Um, I didn't misplace a pass from what I could see. Uh, linked up pretty well with, with, with the front two, um, albeit the, perhaps the penetration was slightly lacking, but I'm not sure that's the sort of player he's been really brought in to be. I think he's uh, he's kind of the sort of central midfielder that's kind of been brought in to, to sort of go about the, the, the sort of ugly stuff, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, sort of mopping up in front of the back four and you know spreading out passes when he can and whatnot. So, yeah, I think... Um, I, I think it's a decent addition for Swansea on the back of that performance. Um, how how well he could he could possibly fit in with any other new additions? I mean, supposing Renato Sanchez did fit in, did uh, sort of come together as a move. It'd be interesting to see where Klukas would fit into that. But he's uh, he's certainly a very solid addition. And Rocky Messer as well, I suppose. Um, Wilds, any 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 thoughts on Klukas? I'm surprised the Clement play him at the base and um, you know, because that's a that's a position that you'd, you'd imagine Britain or Mesa would naturally fill. However, uh, he did a great job there, and as Tom uh, hinted at, you know, he's got, he looked as though he'd been part of things all pre-season rather than just having two sessions with him. He's immediate and comfortable on the ball, knew his role. That's as much credit to him as it is Paul Clement. Uh, but what I liked is that when he did sort of move forward, because once he got the ball in the final third well, worked it well, Palace just sort of, almost like the away team at times. Um, it, he added something, he freed bodies up, and if you look back uh, to the sort of build-up to the opening goal, it's actually Klukas joining in uh, that, uh, that second line of attack behind the strikers, uh, creates the space affair to put the, the, the ball across and Abraham finishes. So, that was pleasing, because I'd imagine that when things settle down and and the team is uh, fully complemented with these two, possibly three new additions before the end of the week, I think we'd see him a little bit further up the pitch. But again, it goes back to he is someone that you know you can depend upon in, in a variety of positions. It gives that flexibility to make changes without having to use your bench. And, and that's what Clement wants and that's what could give Swansea uh, a, a greater edge this year. I suppose... It, it... In the sort of wider scheme of things, they've had a, a, a relatively decent start now. Obviously, a, a point away at, at, at St Mary's, and yes, a, a heavy defeat at home to United. But there were positives to take from that. Oh, yeah. And now a win at Palace. I mean, I'm pretty sure that after three games, that um, Paul Clement would have would have taken this. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty much what I would have expected. Yeah, um, but I wasn't as negative or concerned about things as some others and, and you know Clement is a big factor in that um, I think there's been some concerns and I think you know the lack of, of open chances being created is, is an obvious one uh, but we've got to give it until the end of the deadline and a player to come in and adapt before that can be you know fully assessed whether it's a real worry or it's just something that can be solved um, but yeah, they've looked, they've looked solid, they've looked organised. I like the fact that Clement wasn't happy with the, with the way that Swansea sort of gave in to, to Palace's desperation a little bit. You know, Palace were playing as if it was toward the end of the season, you know, with the way that they clearly needed a result and were pumping balls in. And, and Swansea had sort of gone into um, survival mode. I, I, I mean that in terms of a game rather than a season where they just sort of dealing 
dealing with things rather than you know looking to play their way out or to to pressure off by holding the ball. But the way they controlled the ball in the first half, the comfort was really impressive. Um, United, you know, Jose Mourinho was very very cute with that one. He just got the got the lead, waited for Clement to sort of have to change things, and then and and then basically got his players to pick Swansea off doing what they could do best. So I, I think that, you know, there's been plenty of, of plus points to things so far and it was always felt a little bit about getting through this month almost until business could be done. And um, and I, I would like to think that if they get it right, as we mentioned earlier, they could be stronger for it. They could be the stronger side going into the rest of the season than the one that finished last year. Yeah. I think I think Clement's comments have been quite interesting because, like you say, there have been a lot of positives to take from it, and I think a lot of other managers would probably be quite satisfied with how things are going. Um, and of course, I mean, in terms of points on the board, Clement has to be pretty pleased with 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 what's been happening. But like like Chris said, you know, after after the Palace game, he did he, he did say he wasn't entirely pleased with with the performance. So yeah, that that is encouraging to hear from him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, there's nothing worse than a manager sort of trying to say that everything's perfect just because you've won a game. Likewise, it, you know, it, it gives justification to Clement coming out after the United game when they've lost four 0 and they've lost three 0 to United last year under Bob Bradley, and saying, look, you know, for 75 minutes this was a close contest, and it, and it gives great uh, credence to that. And, and the other thing as well to bear in mind, uh, they are a point ahead of where they were at the same time last year in terms of the same fixtures. So we're already a point better off so far. Long way to go, obviously, but you know, some would say 36 points away from uh, the magic number. Indeed. We saw, uh, we saw three at the back, uh, Palace. Um, is that something that's going to be here to stay, do you think, going forward? Are we likely to see that against Newcastle? or What do you, what do you think? I, I don't know, it depends on uh, injuries, depends on whether the players they get in are ready to start. Um, it's an option. I don't think it's the number one choice, but they look comfortable in it. They, and, you know, if Arias is one of the players that comes in, then you've got a natural win back. Olsen's already of that make. Norton, for me, isn't quite good enough in the final third, although, you know, credit to him is a fantastic ball um, for, for AU when he sees upon that mistake from Martin Kelly. Um, what you would say, and certainly before a game had been played, you'd be surprised at them playing with three centre-backs because there's an argument to say at centre-back is where there are concerns of strength and depth. Uh, Fernandez has still got, he's playing well. He's playing really well. He's continuing the form that he showed at the end of last season. But he's got a long way before everyone's completely comfortable that uh, that he's back and, he, and he's going to be consistent. Um, most of we all know. And then you're thinking, right, well, you've got another one. Bartley, you know, has never really had a run at Swansea. And, and, you know, plenty of question marks. And Van der Hoorn did nothing when he came into the side last year. Um, and yet, it's worked for them. And it's worked uh, uh, well. Uh, it was much more like a three than a five. Uh, as it, you know, it was more of a five against United because the full-backs were turned back. It was much more like a three, certainly uh, for the first half against Palace. And credit to Van der Horn, I thought he played really well. Um, mm. 
in particular, I thought you used the ball well because I used to make a joke last year. He's, he's the only Dutch player I know who couldn't pass the ball. Um, but he didn't rush things. He wasn't looking to to hoof it. And he, and he did too many times last year. In fact, he worked well with Norton. It's good understanding. Um, and he made an absolutely superb tackle uh, in the second half. Um, and um, he, he could have easily ended up in a Palace penalty but he got his timing absolutely spot on so, so credit to him he, uh, he had a very solid game and, um, and and deserves if they do go for that system again to, to get the chance um, Do you reckon we'll see it against Newcastle Tom? Van der Horn in just keep his place in the side well, I think if you're going off the back of the Palace game, I think it's it's difficult to justify dropping it really because, as, as Chris said, you know it was a very very good performance and it was particularly impressive given that I don't think he's I don't think he's had a game since December. So um, I think if you're going on the back of that, then it, then it is going to be difficult to to, to leave him out. But um, I think with the Newcastle game, the, the, the the key there is obviously I think if they can if they can frustrate Newcastle for 20 30 minutes. Then put them on under pressure in midfield, keep the lights of Moreno quiet. I think they've got a fantastic chance um, because Newcastle have, have shown um, that perhaps they don't quite have the resilience to, to, to deal with the pressure. And obviously, you know, if the fans get on their back and everything, uh, it, it could get quite difficult for them. So yeah. I think, in terms of going three at the back, for, for, the, for the Newcastle game, I, if, if, it, if it results in a similar style of play, that it did at Palace, then I think it, it could definitely could definitely work wonders uh, against Newcastle, who I mean they'll, they'll 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 turn up and typically under Rafa Benitez, you know, they'll be compact and he'll get them sort of trying to uh, play a sort of particular brand of football. But um, yeah, I think if they if they can frustrate them early on and keep it keep the playmakers in midfield quiet, then I think they've got a great chance. So with with deadline day sort of hovering, you know. I'd, Journalist's so-called Christmas Day. Um, expect it to be a busy one down the down the Liberty Rath. I can always tell you it's like Christmas Day. It's <laughs> because I mean I know that you know, everyone everyone reads our site and, and buys the papers and it's it's all good fun. But um, you know it's, it's increasingly difficult to separate um, the the links that have your semblance of truth and and. And what's absolute complete nonsense, uh, but people lap it up, don't they? And, and because everyone wants to believe certain things, whether that's a positive or a negative, you know, if you're a, oh, a glass half empty kind of guy, then you almost want to believe that everyone's going to be soaked. It's all going to end in two years, terrible day. Or if you're a glass half full, you, you're the one that thinks you spotted Messi taking a stroll down SA1. You know, it's, it's, it gets silly. Uh, I won't be wearing a yellow tie, I'll give you that much. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, look, yeah, it, it, there's going to be movement with Swans, and it hasn't always been a case on Dead Monday. Um, there's been some years where business has been done nice and early, or there's not, nothing left in the pot, or there's no room left in the squad, because that's another thing you've got to bear in mind. Um, you know, you can only go with... Uh, 25 players over uh, is it 21 I think it is um, so there's no point you know loading the squad if you haven't got anyone to, to, to move on that that could be a factor where the Swansea can get some players off um, 
you know the wage bill still has to be managed although they've managed to get some bodies off this year um, you know if they're going to be bringing in two or three they're going to be on big money so it's all going to be balanced it's the wage bill that is always more important uh, in terms of financial management than the fees so there's a lot more than just we want that player put a bid in accepted here's a contract uh, these things take time deadline day is sort of just supercharging it all and um, and yeah and, and we, we'll do our best to stay on top of what is actually uh, correct um, I'm sure people enjoy it and we'll all be watching uh, Jim White bring in the bongs and see where we go in co- in, unless of course they've got those, uh, those papers in that allow a deal to be carried out through the night if it was a statement of intent or a statement of deal or something like that yeah something like that isn't uh, it yeah that, that's when I first found out about that when I was in the office and thinking oh, I could put my feet down and I found out about these papers and I thought oh goodness <laughs> I might as well just get the camp bed out and stay here um, so yeah you can tell I'm, I'm about 15 years in this job aren't I'm getting all cynical and grumpy at my old age but um is, there's, there's going to be plenty of the right about one way or the other. Yeah, I can, I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. <laughs> um, is it? Is it? Uh, I'll throw this out. Is it as simple as as Boney arriving and Lorenzo leaving? Is there any scenario where you see both there at, come September first? Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, initially, no. Initially, the the thought was that Boney was there in case uh, they went. The, the suggestions I'm getting now is that, I don't think I'm alone in this, is that Boney is considered an additional option. A lot of, you have to say, it's a romantic one, isn't it? Bring back the former top scorer, uh, a player loved by the fans, and immediately get the fans going again. But, you know, ultimately, he's done nothing in two years. Absolutely, he's hardly played in two years, let alone scored. Um, you know, the suggestions that he's lost his hunger, he's desperate to come back, is, is what I hear. So, you know, he may be hungry to prove himself back at Swansea. Or is he going to be hungry just to get the move and when he's there, relax? He's someone who's great around the dressing room, but he's a really popular figure. He, uh, he was a life and soul type of guy. He's great with the staff and everyone. He's a good person to have around. But he's still, even though you'll probably have to take a substantial wage cut, he'd still be a big earner. And it will still cost Swansea a fair few million quid to get him back. So they, that, they've got to be careful with that one. There's no point getting him in just because it'll get the stand singing his name for the first couple of games or what have you. It's got to be right for what they do with the side and what they do with the squad. I mean... I, I, I can still see Chelsea coming in for Llorente. Um You've just got the feeling that they, Conte will want something a bit different. Certainly now with Costa's future very much gone, um, Llorente would offer something more. Um, I don't think he's agitating for a move, but from from the bits I've picked up on is that he clearly fancies it. Um, if if it all pans out in Swansea's, you know, Swansea get a fee big enough for them to accept, um, which the talk is around 15 to 20 million. Um, 32-year-old, do you look at it? Do you look at the argument that Swansea almost have to change a way of playing 
to suit Juventus' strengths and would Juventus go and force them to go back to themselves a bit more because they have someone who would want the ball to feet more in Abraham and possibly Bowie. Yeah. A lot of things to weigh up. Um, but for sure, I, I could see as a good chance that Boney will be back in a, in a Swansea shirt and, um, and let's hope that um, the old adage of the never go back uh, doesn't prove true at Liberty. Um, Tom? It worked well for Liam Britton, didn't it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's good reasons. Yeah, fingers crossed then. Um, Tom, what, who would you, what would you like to see in the next 48 hours? Um, well, I mean, it's... it's I, I think Barney would be worth a punt, personally. Um, I think, yeah, I, I can I can totally understand why people might see it as a gamble, but I think if he's if he's serious about getting his career back on track, then you know he he will soon discover that hunger again. I think. Having said that, I think I still get the feeling that Swansea, especially, I mean, there is a very there's very much an obvious hole missing from Sigurdsson still for me. Um, and I still feel there's, there's not really that playmaker in that in that sort of midfield that can really pull the strings yet. Yeah, I agree. So um, I mean, Roque Messa was supposedly you know one of the contenders to fill in that role. Uh, he was on the bench on Saturday. So and there's already questions about about what his role in the team is going to be. So for me I think a playmaker would be a much more welcome addition than, than Boney but I, I would personally think that if the, if the deal is right then, then Boney is most certainly worth a punt yeah I think it's a question of priorities isn't it now Messer I expect to play a little bit deeper if not necessarily at the base so again it depends on the system and he has got to get up to speed I think there's some quotes in Spain that he admits that you know, the physical side and the, and the speed of the game but I think that he's of the attitude and the ability that you get there but yeah, it's priorities. Swansea need that offensive, you know, mid attacking midfield option with a bit of creative guile, because you could, you know, you could you could pick all the strikers you want, but if you've got no one to feed them or make the difference when it gets to that sort of wall of, of defensive Palace put up on Saturday, then it's it's a complete irrelevance. Um, and that's probably, well, that is another reason why we're seeing things drag on a little bit too much for some people's liking is because a lot will revolve around who uh, is that who that player is what he costs what his wages are because then that dictates what is left to fill the other positions I wrestle like the idea of as I said because it gives that wing back option and then all of a sudden you have got quite a different um, quite a different look and feel to the squad that you can could feel comfortable playing in different roles but yeah the main number one job is that midfielder and um, I think they're going to be running out of S's if uh, it does end up being Bernardo Sanchez because I think everyone's going to want his, uh, his name on the back of their shirts <laughs> I think Boney, Sanchez, Arias and I think that's, that's, a, that's a good a good window um, oh, I think I think there'll be a few people with cigars out of the Liberty if, if, that, if that's the case uh, cut those bongs on Thursday night well, let's hope so um, just before we finish um, Waz I just want to touch on that um, great interview that he did with, with Ferry Bodder. Um, I don't know if anyone's had a chance to, to read it. I'll, I'll, I'll post it on Twitter. Um, but could you just perhaps give us a, a quick flavour of, of what it was like chatting with him? You know, he's such a, a cult hero um, in these parts and he's, you know, a tremendous story and quite a sad one. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I,
I mean, I've been trying to to get the chance to speak to Fairy for some time now, and um, I sort of arranged to see him on the day of the Antia testimonial. Uh, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. It, it didn't work out. I didn't get a chance to say hello until he was at the ground, and, and it wasn't the place for that type of chat then. But I saw him afterwards. He was. He, and you could tell he wanted to talk, and that's and you know you're always going to get an interesting interview when someone has something to say as opposed to just you know giving in and, and giving up his time to a journalist. Um, but I have to say I didn't I didn't expect it to quite take the course of the interview it did. I mean obviously you know we wanted to ask about his illness, and I was particularly keen on that sort of that personal journey would have gone on from being so close to being a real star. I mean, he was a star in the eyes of Swansea fans, but, you know, he would have gone on to another level. I think he would have reached the Premier League with or without Swansea. And um, and the way he opened up was um, was incredible. We spent more than an hour talking. Um, I'll always be grateful to Ferry for being as honest and as open as he was. I think, I think we've, we've talked a lot since, and I think enjoyed the experience um, because he, uh, he got a lot of things off his chest and he was felt finally able to really say what he'd gone through and uh, you know there's, he's been through some pretty dark times and what struck me towards the end is that you know as much as that he obviously got a lot of clarity about his life now than, than he did at one point um, I asked him if he was happy and he couldn't say yes properly. I mean, he explained then that he'd not long lost his father and grandmother in very close, uh, close proximity to each other, that he can't, he, he's happy in that very moment. But what he's taken from life is that he don't know what's around the corner and, and can't, and he can't quite seem to shake, shake things off quite yet. But I think the way that he was able to be open and, and be honest and, and, so brave in, in talking about some of the issues that affected him I think that that to me gives me hope that he's, he's very much on the right road and I think not only the interview, uh, I know the reaction to the, to the, the piece um, has reached him and, and he's, he, he's quite uh, emotional about that um, I think he, he knows now and, and, and obviously being at the Liberty again and seeing the reaction I think he knows that he, he has people who care for him and people who, who, who want him to be happy and want him to, to, to have a fulfilled life. And um, certainly his, his two boys mean the world to him. I think that's a pillar of strength for him. And, um, and yeah, it was an absolute privilege being able to, to share his story. And I'm, I'm really pleased that so many people enjoyed reading it. Yeah, well, it was great. And as I said, I'll, I'll, I'll post out another link another link to it because I think it it needs to be read um, right thanks chaps I think that's probably a decent place to uh, to wrap it up um, thanks for listening everybody um, the usual reminder you can get all the latest transfer news on Wales Online on Twitter at Swansea City Live and Facebook Swansea City Online thanks very much don't forget we'll be uh, we'll be right until the bitter end of transfer deadline day on our live blog on Thursday I have to say that people better be reading it if I'm going to be in the office Oh dear. Well, thanks very much. Cheers all. Cheers.